Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Aussies Only, our weekly look at the Australian players on tour. Hello and welcome to Aussies Only, our weekly podcast offering here at The First Serve where we take the time to specifically tune into how our Aussies are tracking on the tour, all thanks to Latour Tennis. Now make sure to head over to latourtennis.com to check out their brand new card game, a new tennis card game to outgrind your family and friends, rain, hail or shine. Choose from a wide variety of match formats to play for fun or put something on the line and go to battle. Perfect for playing at home, at your tennis club, at tournaments or on the road. Shuffle the deck because it's time to dig. It's your host Jed Zetzer here alongside former pro Jake Eames. Now Eamesy, I'm going to hand it over to you to introduce this week's guest on the show. Today we've got Jessica Morg here. She was a fantastic player, had a great career, super lovely girl. It was always great to see her around the courts, huge smile. And in a very interesting point of her career right now, she's recently retired. So it's going to be a very interesting chat about her transition and what she's doing with life after tennis. Jessica Moore, welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for reaching out and having me on. Thanks for coming on, Jess. Before we get stuck in, so you moved to Sydney about five weeks ago as your partner got a job as a paramedic during the whole COVID-19 crisis. How was the move and how are you sort of adjusting to life over there? Yeah, it's um, very interesting times and I'm sure everyone can relate in some form. But um, yeah, it was very unexpected. Noel got the call up and got about four days notice. So it was um, wow. a little bit unexpected. Um, and so he went, came straight over here and they put everyone up in a hotel for about a month just while they were sort of working through different protocols from each state but yeah so I was in Melbourne for about six weeks um, and I guess packing so it gave me something to do which was good but I guess pretty uncertain and very uh, new and so far I'm enjoying Sydney loving the weather (laughs) I'm not gonna lie but yeah obviously extremely new uh, but I'm very fortunate that I have couple of friends here from tennis but also back from home that have really helped me in the last few weeks just getting settled. Yeah I was going to say it's really good actually being a tennis player because you would have played all over the country so wherever you went you probably would have had some friends there to catch up with and you know commence a little bit of a new life. How's that been for you though just being a surprise move? Did you think about what you're going to do in Sydney or was it just let's go and let's figure it out when we get there? Yeah, a little bit. Look, I the goal for me at the moment is just to finish my degree, which I've been slowly chipping away with while I was playing. So that's probably I was I can do anywhere, which is great being online. But uh, yeah, it was a little bit like okay, well let's just make the move and we'll figure it out. Um, but I guess I'm just in a very unique situation right now where I haven't got anything sort of. I'm not tied down and I have the flexibility to sort of explore new things, so, which I'm really trying to do at the moment. But, yeah, it was, it was very just sort of quick and last minute, but I'm very fortunate that, like I said, I do have the connections sort of through tennis, um, which has helped greatly. So, Jess, just with your degree, so you're nearly finished a degree in health science. 
Can I ask, how were you able to manage balancing that degree with being on the tour? Yeah, um, early on it was pretty challenging. I started off pretty slow um, and a lot of people that know me are going, oh gosh, you're still going. And I'm, yes, I'm still going. <laughs> but I've managed to, um, you know, since stopping, I'm, yeah, I've just got three units left, um, which I'm pretty stoked about, to be honest. But, That's awesome. But to be honest, I feel like having the degree while I was playing pretty much most of you know, it's the last sort of six or so years, it kind of, it helped with the balance mm. aspect. Um, you know, as you know, there's a lot of downtime um, at tournaments, uh, you know, rain delays, travel, whatever it is. Um, so having the study kind of gave me a different sort of area of focus um, and it kind of helped, I guess, a little bit with the identity of just being a tennis player. So I think it's really helped in quite a lot of aspects. But, yeah, super stoked to, to get it done at the end of this year. Yeah, I think, Jess, that's a great point about how it helps with the identity or more complete identity, not just the tennis player. And I also felt like it helped with the tough weeks on the tour, you know, when you're taking losses, but you still feel like you're progressing in other areas of life. Did you feel like that helped as well in those periods? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to probably have more losses on tour than you do wins and having something else to sort of deflect that or distract you yeah it can only be a positive thing and you're also knowing that you got stepping in the right direction in something that you want to do possibly post-career so yeah just being able to invest in an area like I said that can distract you from the in and outs of every day you know working your butt off I guess to be a tennis player. Certainly how old were you when you started playing tennis and how did you get into the sport? So I think I was about eight, eight, nine. So I'm from originally from a small country town, uh, southeast of Perth. Um, and sport was very much part of the community. Uh, I have an older brother, so pretty much wanted to do whatever he was doing, whether that be cricket, footy, golf. I just wanted to be a part of it. So uh, my family also is like my mum and dad are pretty sporty, but we were members of a local club, Tawonga Tennis Club, which was um, had four bitumen courts. And yeah, it just, um, we, it was every Sunday. And I think, I don't know, I just liked it. And I think um, I was pretty handy for for just starting up. And then I went on to a rural tennis camp for during the holidays for a week and I just absolutely had a ball and, um, yeah, it just sort of snowballed from there. But I think my brother had a massive influence. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I've heard that you realise you're good enough to become pro when you eventually beat your older brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, uh, I don't know, but I, after we'd play on Sunday, I'd play my brother and my dad in a set and it got to the point where I was beating them quite easily and I think I was like, maybe, I, you know, I'm not so bad, I can give this a crap. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was probably about 10 or 11 and then I was actually fortunate that Milo Bradley at the time was state coach and he did some regional sort of ID days and I went to the one that was close to me in a town called Narragin and, yeah, I got selected to go and train it in Perth, I think it was once or twice a week and, that's kind of where it all really started, to be honest. So, Jess, you made your Grand Slam debut at the 2007 Australian Open, coming up against the third seed, Svetlana Kuznetsova. You were just a teenager at the time. It must have been a daunting prospect for you. 
Can you tell us about that whole experience? And you've said before that she's the toughest competitor you've come across. Is this still the case? And yeah, just t- tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, gosh, um, I was young and and so raw. I think, yeah, so I was 17. I still remember I actually did the draw and wow, I think I was so out of it and so sort of starstruck in a way that at the time I actually had no idea who she was. Um, obviously I knew who she was, but at the time when I did the draw, they put the mic on me and like, what are your thoughts? You know, how are you going to approach this? And I was like, uh, I had no clue. But looking back, what an experience. Um, I remember being, uh, yeah, on court and winning my first point. And I was like, oh, thank God. I hope this crowd's going to actually enjoy watching this. But yeah, what a player. I mean, she's still playing now and has had an incredible career. But yeah, for me, that was pretty daunting at the time. I never had sort of played in that sort of stage before and only being 17, you know, you're quite young mentally. But yeah, I look at it and I think back to what an amazing opportunity we're given, you know, being in Australia, having Australian Open. um, Yeah, we're pretty fortunate to be, you know, offered a wildcard opportunity like that. Yeah, being exposed to that level is such an opportunity and it can really help, I guess, your self-belief in your game to, to play at that level. And the next year you made the final of the girls' singles in the Australian Open. Did you feel like that exposure to you know, the players at the top of the game, did that help as well starting to go deep into the Junior Grand Slams? Yeah, I think so. Um, that was a big two weeks for me in 2008. Um, I also played... The main draw women's in all three. So I played um, the singles, doubles and mixed. And I actually played with Greg Jones. And I listened to his podcast. He spoke amazing. Yeah, so that I think also doing well there where I run around in the main draw and then backing up and playing the, the juniors, I think, yeah, that gave me huge confidence just knowing that if I can compete against, you know, the top women in the world, then, you know, I can do well and do juniors. So that confidence really transferred across. And, yeah, it's quite, it's kind of strange for me to reflect back on that time because I feel like it went so quick and I don't remember a lot of details, but I'm having at the moment, you know, recently retired and having a lot more time to reflect. I'm having little flashbacks and I, and I get little bits and pieces come to me. But, yeah, it was such a big couple of weeks and you know, huge result and, but I probably didn't know it at the time, but yeah, it's amazing how, how much so the confidence did transfer from the seniors over to the juniors. How about playing that many events in such a short space? There would be so much emotion. Did you feel mentally exhausted or were you just running on adrenaline and pumped up young and just taking it all in? It was a challenge for me because I'm, I would say I'm pretty introverted and I'm and very shy, especially at that that time. Getting attention and um, being on, I guess, on the stage was pretty full on for me. Um, so I was very much, I think, when I look back, was you know just going out there trying to get the job done and getting back to my apartment and kind of trying to recharge because yeah, it's it's not just like performing, as you know, it's not just performing on the court. Yet there's a lot of other things that were new for me to deal with and it is quite energy sapping so it was a real learning curve on on how to sort of 
I guess, look after myself in all aspects. But I literally, as soon as I finished the final of the juniors, I was on a plane that night to go to the Fed Cup um, in Thailand. So it was, I didn't really have a chance to kind of just step back and reflect. So it was super quick and also amazing. I mean, the opportunities I got at that age, you know, playing the Aussie Open in both seniors, juniors, and then going to play Fed Cup, you know, that's pretty cool. So in those two weeks, Jess, you actually won your first Grand Slam match. You then had to play against the 17th seed, who was Shahab here at the time. In winning that Grand Slam match, it was actually, it made you the, the youngest Australian since Yelena Dokic in 1999 to win a Grand Slam match at the Australian Open. You beat Simona Halep in the junior semifinals. What did all of those results do for your self-belief? I would love to say that it boosted my confidence and I was, yeah. Um, and I think it did to a certain degree in the fact that I did work really hard. Um, I, was, I was working with Dave Taylor at the time and, yeah, I, I worked super hard to get those results. Like, it didn't just come. So that aspect was really rewarding. It's, it's you know, each week is a new week and you've got to show up and you've got to produce the results. So... You know, it's it's challenging backing up week after week. And I had a change in coach. So I had a few changes come, at, you know, straight after, which was a bit of a challenge for me. But, you know, it's a unique experience. Everyone's journey is slightly different and I was still quite young. But for sure, when, when you win matches at slams, for instance, or girls rank top 100, it 100% gives you the confidence to go and perform, you know, in the other events. Yeah, and again, we're just touching on, I guess you played mixed and doubles. You also won the French Open and Wimbledon girls doubles event. So you obviously experienced a lot of excess on the doubles court. Did you prioritise singles over doubles as a youngster? Were you trying to do both at the same time or what was your priority there? Yeah, it was quite funny because I 100% prioritised singles um, at that point in my career. But I definitely saw the importance of doubles um, and how it could, probably didn't know it at the time, but it's like when you talk about confidence, you know, I wasn't going deep at that point in in Wimby or French in singles. I think it was third round or second round, but I was winning the doubles and being, being still a part of the tournament and you're on stage, you're working on your game, it, it only improves your game. And yeah, like the results in doubles kind of, I think, happen because I really enjoy doubles and I love sharing it with someone on the court, especially if you have a great connection with your partner. And I was really lucky um, that year to connect with Polona Hercog and we had some amazing results um, in those two events. But it's quite funny now looking back on my career, I did a flip and then I sort of focused on doubles because I you know I really did enjoy it but yeah at that point in time I definitely prioritized singles but it just it just worked out that way. Jess you made your Fed Cup debut you mentioned just after the Australian Open that year that was obviously a dream come true for you where does that sit for you in your career highlights? Yeah for sure I think every player wants to represent their country and for me that's yeah it's a big deal um you know I was amongst the top players I was with Casey Renee Stubbs um Alicia you know it was it was just awesome to be considered within you know that that group of 
amazing athletes. And yeah, for sure, they're going to be memories that I remember forever. Even wearing the tracksuit, it's pretty cool having that, knowing that I've been a part of it. Yeah, it's something that you, everyone, I think, works towards. It's a really amazing achievement there. And, and not only that as well, as in singles, you reached a career high ranking of 132. Uh, in doubles, 52 in the world. And then you played your final tournament at the AO 2020 with Astro Sharma and you had a very special, uh, I guess, experience on the court after being defeated by uh, Barty and Georges on Melbourne Arena and Ash hung around and said a few words for you after the match. How special was that for you? Yeah, like, yeah, Ash is a gem. Like, she did not need to do that or have to do it. Um, in fact, I had no idea she knew and I didn't think anyone knew. I literally told one coach and so... He obviously got it, got it out there, but what she did for me out there was completely genuine and it just shows the kind of person Ash is and I will 100% remember that forever and just so grateful that, you know, it turned out the way it did. Obviously, I wanted to win the match, but, um, <laughs> yeah, the way, you know, she gave that opportunity for me to sort of say thanks and um, leave on the court that I you know, started on, which is pretty cool. But yeah, it's a super special moment. You know, it's kind of weird. Like, I feel like it hasn't probably fully sunk in yet. But, yeah, I'm so grateful that she gave me that opportunity that day. Jess, do you mind telling us a little bit about how you came to that decision to retire and how you felt that it was the right time? So, obviously, it's still pretty new and um, the transition is pretty raw, just being such a unique time right now, um, you know, with everything being on hold. But I had a pretty rough year last year, which is weird because I also got my career high in doubles. Yeah, look, it was a total mix and combination of a lot of factors, but that year I just actually just after... Um, Madrid I got my career high in doubles and I was heading over to the grass season you know me and my first round of Serbiton with Monique Adamzak and I went up for a serve and just my shoulder just went on me and I've never experienced a like an, a feeling or an injury quite like it before but my arm just went completely dead mm. like and like just couldn't move um, so mm. I ended up finishing the match just embarrassingly um with an underarm serve and yeah it wasn't pretty but yeah I so then I had to miss Wimbledon which was a bit of a bummer and I was out for maybe two and a half almost three months just trying to rehab it um and I pushed myself to get back for the US Open probably a bit soon but I I really wanted to to get there because I I worked so hard to sort of get to those opportunities I guess and then from there, I went on to Asia, played in Asia, played in Wuhan, came back. A week later, I got extremely sick and developed pneumonia, which now looking back at it, it comes up a bit sus as to what I actually had because they didn't know at the time. Oh, um, but yeah, oh. I developed pneumonia and I was out for about two months. And look, over this period, I had a lot of time to think and just reflect and what my values are and, you know, what's important to me at this time in my life. And, you know, I think it was something that I'd thought about for some time. But, you know, you want, as a player, you want to squeeze every, every little bit out of yourself just to maximise, you know, what you have. But, yeah, I think 
as I was recovering, I sort of came to the conclusion that, yeah, I wanted to sort of uh, finish up at the Aussie Open, give myself one more chance to, you know, um, finish at home, compete as well as I can in Melbourne um, at my favourite tournament. But obviously I kept it very much to myself um, because I wasn't, I wasn't sure what, uh, who, you know, if it was relevant to tell anyone. I don't know. I just, I like to keep things to myself, I guess. But, yeah, I think um, just my values were sort of screaming at me and um, I just think the timing was right for me. It definitely, I think, for all the Australian tennis community, it was very relevant to have that special moment because you've done so much for the sport in, in, in Australia. With, with retirement, it's a very tricky time and I know when I decided to stop obviously at a different level to you but you know the hardest thing for me was to tell my coach hey I'm not going to play anymore because he was a person Alan Jones at the time was just inspiring me every day and even times when I was going through that period of okay I'm going to stop I'd seem to get over it by being on court with him and get fired up again (laughs) is there any tricky moments like that with you through retirement or I guess the, the that transition into retirement were there any parts that were extremely difficult for you? Yeah, and I think they still keep coming up at times when I'm not expecting. But, yeah, I had the conversation before my match at Aussie Open literally the day before. So um, whether that was the right thing to do or not, I'm not sure, but it just felt right at the time. I had the chat with um, Ron Fisher, who's been a massive influence in my career, um, not just as a player but as a person. Um, and has been through, like you, you said with Alan, has just been through, you know, so many of the highs and lows with me. Um, so I, I wanted to sort of, you know, make sure he knew and that we could share that moment together. And, yeah, it got a bit emotional because, you know, you've spent so much time and energy and yeah. tears and whatever um, together and, and you know, um, you share that sort of bond, I guess. So that was pretty tricky but also nice at the same time. But, yeah, I think the biggest thing is when things sort of settle and you get your head around the fact that, that, you know, it actually is done. I've noticed, like, sort of different challenges pop up along the way, but obviously pretty unique timing with me and my situation with um, moving and everything going on at the moment with COVID. Um, Yeah, it's probably added a few extra challenges or yeah. you know not being able to go back home to see family and stuff yeah I'm really trying to be proactive and just sort of say yes to a lot of things that I haven't necessarily been able to do while I was playing you know I'm in a position for the first time I think in my life where I do have the opportunity to say yes to new things and yeah it, it's challenging too because obviously I'm in a new city and it's pretty foreign but also exciting because I, I know I have so much to learn and, um, you know, I just meet new, so many new people and, yeah, just open my eyes up to a whole different ball game, I guess. Do you still hit occasionally? How, like, how has that transition been from obviously being on the court so often? I'm assuming you're on the court less now or is, has it completely stopped or are you still hitting occasionally? Yeah, so um, it's quite funny. I, Literally after Aussie, I went straight on a an Asian tour as a coach um, for a yeah. junior tour, um, which I wasn't expecting. But you know, I just got a call up and asked if I wanted to go, and I thought, oh yeah, you know, why not? So I did a little bit of hitting, um, not a lot, 
And then when I came home during COVID, I literally didn't hit a ball for about six weeks because, you know, obviously everything was shut down. And But it actually gave me a bit of a chance to sort of stop and reflect a little. But, yeah, now I'm in Sydney. Um, I'm doing roughly eight to ten hours coaching a week, um, which is, you know, not a lot, but it's it's good. I feel like I'm able to sort of give back a little bit. Coaching is a, you know, a whole new different area that I'm super raw and have so much to learn about. Yeah. And, but to answer your question, I am hitting a little bit and I'm enjoying it, but yeah, not to the same degree as I was when I was uh, training. With, with the coaching, actually Greg Jones mentioned last week that one of the first things that needs to go from being a player to a coach is the ego. And uh, it just just came to my mind then when you mentioned like I'm super raw and got so much to learn. How for you going into coaching now? Are you taking any I guess things that you've learned or philosophies you learned as a player into the coaching environment as well? Yeah, it's a good point. I couldn't agree more with what Greg said. It's being able to change the mindset of okay, I'm not a player and I'm here for the you know, the player and it's all about the player, not about me anymore, which I'm actually more than fine with. I think um, <laughs> I, I enjoy that aspect. I really enjoy and hope that I can help others. That's why I really want to stay involved. But it is completely different. And being a great coach, there's so many aspects involved. Um, I'm, and I'm still learning a lot, actually. Like, it's not about just about hitting ball good you know hitting a good ball and technique which is you know obviously an important aspect but there's so much more to it and probably something I wish I knew a little bit more of when I was playing um, I think it's quite easy to sort of take that for granted and just how you know unique and being a good coach is but I was actually fortunate to start the the junior development coaching course over the COVID period um, which was really cool because it sort of gave me something to do for the period and see so many familiar faces and have discussions on, you know, our theories and values on, on being a coach. Um, but, yeah, I, I like I said, I'm very new to it and I am put my hand up to say, look, I have so much to learn, but I really hope that I can give back to, you know, to, to the great sport and, and help um, players coming up. Jess, you've only you've obviously only just transitioned into coaching. Have you already developed some of your own philosophies and and things that you communicate to your players, or is it still a little bit early for that? Oh, probably a bit early, but I'd say that um, you know something that's really important to me is it's more about them as a whole person, not just as a tennis player. Um, something that I probably um, I probably struggled a little bit with when I was playing is that I got so caught up in, you know, the identity of if I won a match, everything was good. If I didn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, um, I, my mm. whole identity was revolved around results. So for me, I really see the importance of implementing like that, you know, um, the importance of you as a whole person. And I try to sort of implement that into coaching but we're talking early days boys like I've, I've been gone for maybe two three weeks so a lot a lot to learn yeah well you just touched on quickly there I guess is the mental aspect of the game and um you know for, for I guess elite juniors um transitioning through like you said everyone can hit a good ball and a lot of times it does come down to 
you know, that clear mental state. And I know you're passionate about mental health and well-being, and you're keen to get a bit involved in it from what I hear. So what kind of things are you interested in with mental health and where would you like to get involved? Yeah, so I've known for quite some time, like I've always been attracted to, yeah, the, the mental health aspect of an athlete and something that I'd really love to get involved with down the track. And I'm sort of now where I have a bit more time, I'm on uni break at the moment. I'm trying to volunteer as much as, as I can. And um, I've, I'm doing a little bit of time with Beyond the Tour, which I think is a great initiative, you know, for retired players, but also current players. And just giving, you know, them a sense of that there is a community that, you know, helps with that transition because it's it's a tricky time and I sort of, am, I guess, living it at the moment and it is a tricky time. But just ha- knowing that there is, I guess, a network um, of, you know, say mentors or just people to have a chat with, you know, is a great thing. So I'm really trying to get involved um, where I can with that. But I'm also um, volunteering some time with um, a foundation called Rally Forever, which is a foundation uh, founded by Louise Fleming, which is uh, helping people, I guess, thrive through um, physical activity um, and yeah, human connection, I guess. Um, just, you know, sort of using movement as a medicine, I, I suppose, where, you know, just the positives that come with being active. So I'm really trying to just get involved where I can with something that I'm really passionate about. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to what sort of where that goes. Jess, you haven't even been out of the sport for long and you're already doing so many amazing things. Maybe I'm there doing must... too much. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, there obviously would have been a lot of influential figures in your career to get you to this point and to bring you, you know, to this point where you're capable of doing all these amazing things. I know it's very hard to narrow it down, but if there was, you know, one person who was the most influential person in your playing career... Who would that be if that's if it's even possible to narrow it down? Oh, that's so hard because over your career you come, you know, you come across so many different people that have a part in, you know, play a part in your development and journey. Oh, I can't put it down to one, but I, I have a good handful, I guess, of coaches that have really sort of given me messages that have stuck. But I've also had really good family support too which is sort of the key I think in how I was able to continue for you know as long as I did I really believe that as a player you need to create uh, a team around you that's genuine and has your back and is a positive influence because I think you're a product of you know who who you surround yourself by but yeah I can't pinpoint one but like I said, I'm very lucky and fortunate that, you know, I had the support um, early on with Tennis Australia and then that, that gave me the opportunity to meet, you know, so many amazing people that I was able to get in touch with that, you know, had an influence in my career. But I think as an athlete, you've got to be able to know, you know, what, what works for you and, and taking as much information as you can but know what to take on board and what to filter out and that way you can you know benefit from as many people as possible 100 percent. there with playing is there any itch to 
get out there and compete. I know Tennis Australia is offering a bit of a domestic competition. Will we see you out there? Yeah. Oh, I got asked yesterday, actually. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be honest, yeah, I just want to break. Um, yeah. I think I'm at, you know, I, I retired because, you know, I, I need a break. And, you know, I think let's give the opportunity to those that are really wanting to compete and get back on tour. Uh, I think it's great that there's something, you know, developing. I think it's starting this weekend in Sydney, um, mm-hmm. from what I heard. But I think it's awesome that it's giving the players the opportunity to get competing again because they're probably pretty sick of training, I'd say. So, yeah, let's leave it for them. <laughs> Fair enough. Jess, we've got some fan questions for you. Just before we get stuck into them, though, have you had any odd fan encounters, anything out of the ordinary? Look, I've had some odd messages, yeah. Um, but I think everyone gets those. We should have... Uh, no, but I haven't... Ha- in Japan, they're really lovely. They always give you funny little toys and things like that. But I... Look, I'm not a superstar, so I don't have a super <laughs> fan base. But no, I haven't had anything crazy. Just some... Yeah, you get some pretty quirky messages that you kind of question with... Yeah, you, you question. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So the first fan question, hey Jess, what is the best and what is the worst place that you've travelled to on the tour? Good question. Best, first thing that comes to my mind is Vancouver. I loved playing in Vancouver. I had a great experience and I love the family that I was able to stay with. Um, Worst, I know that China would be probably brought up every (laughs) time with players, but um, (laughs) Yeah, China's probably up there, but uh, Kazakhstan was pretty tricky too, not going to lie. I think going travelling as a tennis player makes us realise just how, how damn lucky we are to be from Australia. <laughs> yeah, just, geez, we're extremely lucky to live in uh, this great country. The next fan question is, who's the best singles player you've come against in your career? <laughs> I mean, I played Ash a lot, but in doubles, but... Yeah, one, probably the hardest opponent I've probably played against. But probably, I mean, Kuznetsova, that's, that's probably up there. Panetta was up there. That was pretty that, – that whole day and environment was a joke. Oh, there's so many. But let's go with Kuznetsova. With Kuznetsova? Yeah, because she's a beast. And I was, I was so small and tiny and I felt <laughs> like I was playing against someone who was literally triple my size. And, yeah, no, nah, she's, she's up there. Just quickly on that, though, um, with Panetta, on yeah. the TA bio, it says that is the one match you would like to replay. Really? Yeah. Did you, could you remember saying that or can you think of why uh, that would be the match you would love to replay again? Yeah, right. Uh, probably because I had a lot. School was, get me right, is school four and four? Four and one, I believe. Oh, crap. Four and one. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm trying to talk myself up there. Okay. So I'm pretty sure on the first set it was four all and I had an opportunity that I didn't um, take. And yeah. I think that's probably why. But, hey, we can always go back and talk hindsight. But, yeah, I must have written that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, so we, you spoke about a comeback just a moment ago. But one of the fan questions is, is there any chance of you making a comeback at some point in the upcoming years? Don't see it happening right now, no. But I've done it before. I took a year off when I was 20 and I came back, so who knows. But, no, I 
I think I've made the call and I think I'm pretty at ease with my decision and I'm pretty ready for some new challenges and, and yeah, I'm looking forward to continuing to see how well, you know, our girls are going, our Aussie girls are going and I think it's great to, to see them continuing to do so well. You just mentioned you took a year off when you were 20. Do you mind quickly telling us a little bit about that and how that actually played a part in how the rest of your career played out? Did that Was that a refresh for you? Yeah, I think so. Um, I decided to, to uh, step away because I think, uh, you know, like we, I think we spoke about sort of in my 17, 18, 19, it, it happened pretty quick. And I, I think, um, yeah, like I left home, well, I left WA at 13 and I think, you know, I'm very close to my family and it just all got a bit much um, and I needed a break and just needed a refresh. But I actually at that time thought that that was it, like I wasn't, I wasn't going to come back. But I think having that year, I actually worked in hospitality, did some night shifts, and I think that probably got me to realise how fortunate I am to be playing tennis. But it was a really I, I wouldn't change it because it was a really good learning curve and it gave me a chance to reset, spend some time with family um, and just, yeah, realise how much I did love competing and, and you know, putting myself on the line, I guess, through tennis. But, yeah, I, I definitely needed a break at that point. Yeah, I think it just caught up with me, to be honest. The next one, Jess, is what tips do you have for a player who's contemplating retirement at the moment? Well, I think it just comes back to what's important to you and, um, you know, maybe ask the questions, why is it that you're playing? Um, I think sometimes we forget the reason why we started playing in the first place and it's very easy to get caught up in results and performance. Um, But, yeah, it probably comes back to, you know, what their values are and weigh up. Is it bringing you joy? Do you still enjoy competing? Because you don't want to make the decision. I mean, you can always come back, but make sure if you do make the decision, you know it's the right one coming from you because at the end of the day, you're going to look back on whether, you know, it was the right timing. If you felt like you had a little bit more to give, just make sure you really give everything you've got before, yeah, making the call. It's obviously going to be tough once again to narrow it down, but one of the fan questions is, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? I, probably not advice I received, but let's go with something that I would give to myself that I've learnt. With, yeah, I'd probably say just surround yourself with quality people that are in line with your values and the way you want to approach your career is a big one. But also just remembering that, your journey is yours and it's unique um, to you. And I think too many times we get caught up in comparing ourselves to, you know, so-and-so's got to this ranking at this age. So in order for you to make it, you've got to do the same. And I got caught up in that a little bit and I think that was a little bit, you know, detrimental to how I approached my young younger career, um, sorry, earlier on in my career. So I would just say, yeah, just really remember that your journey is yours and you know things will come at your own pace Jess it's been amazing to chat with you today congratulations on an amazing playing career I think walking away from the game for you be able to look back and see that you've turned over all the stones um, you've given everything you had is an amazing thing to be able to move forward and we wish you the best of luck in whatever 
the future holds for you. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Jess. We really appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and give us a real insight into your career and what you're doing now since retiring. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this week's edition of Aussies Only. All thanks to Latua Tennis. Once again, head over to latuatennis.com to get your hands on their brand new tennis card game before it sells out. Another edition of the show in the books. Thank you for tuning into this week's edition of Aussies Only. You've been listening to Aussies Only, part of the First Serve, your home of tennis. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91